0: Love Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at SumatiSparks.com. And tonight I'm very excited to have as our guest, Evelina Rose, who is a spiritual counselor and Tantra teacher. She offers transformational seminars on sacred intimacy and self-healing. She's an intimacy and communications coach in private practice for 40 years, supporting individuals, couples, and polygroups in evolving healthy and fulfilling connections. Welcome to the show, Evelina.
1: Thank you. It's a delight to be here.
0: So glad to have you. So let's start by talking about your background. How did you um, come to be involved with open relationships and polyamory? I was introduced to it by a very
1: good friend who included me in his connection with his wife, and she was so happy to have me be a part of what was going on with the two of them. He was living out in San Francisco, she was in Texas, and she was thrilled that he had some intimacy and would call when we'd be together, and it just blew my mind that she was so welcoming and loving to me. And so when I got married the next time, I asked for an open relationship. And um, we practiced it some. It wasn't what I'd call full-on polyamory, but it did uh, allow us to explore intimacy and relationships in more ways than just between the two of us. Mm -hmm. And I've actually had several relationships that were kind of on the edge between monogamy and polyamory, where Mm -hmm. I was primarily with one person, and either my partner or I would have another lover on occasion. So I've kind of played that whole range between fully polyamorous and monogamous.
0: Yeah, there is quite a range, isn't there? Hmm. I find really that almost everybody, who, almost everybody who practices it does it in their own unique way So can you give us an example of one of the kind of gray area relationships you had And why it was sort of in between monogamy and polyamory um, I had a relationship with a woman
1: I'm bisexual so some of my relationships are women and some are men and she had had a relationship with another woman who was a nun and actively mm-hmm. and so they had this little affair on the side when the woman came to the area where we lived and it just felt right to allow that to continue even though neither of us felt a interest in
0: having other lovers at the time Hmm. So that so her her the only outside relationship was with the practicing nun, huh? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's a great example. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I had so, another relationship with
1: a man that um we we had an open relationship, but it was mostly if one of us traveled, we would be with someone on a on a trip or in another city that we'd go to frequently, which is pretty different from having a relationship in your same city that's ongoing.
0: Right, yes. I had a partner like that who only wanted to see people when he was out of town. <laughs> Something uh-huh. felt safe for him about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in your experience with non-monogamy, can you give us some examples of what has worked and what hasn't worked?
1: Well, what's worked is where both of us are committed to communication and Mm -hmm. sharing our feelings, being transparent, being honest with each other and with anyone else involved. And I think that's so key is that you keep the connection clear and you know what, what feels acceptable to the primary couple, what doesn't feel acceptable, and work through anything that comes up. And what doesn't work is where that's not in place. The person I was married to last got really excited going to Human Awareness Institute workshops in having other lovers. And his idea was that it was fine to be with another lover whenever he wished. And if I didn't like it, well, that was too bad. So that Mm -hmm. lack of consideration doesn't work at all. Mm -hmm. At one point I said, I said, I don't mind that you're with her this often right now because it's new relationship energy and you're thrilled, but I'd like to know when you're going to be home so I can make plans, and his, his response was, I'll tell you what, if I'm here, I'm here, and if I'm not, I'm not.
0: <laughs> so, A little harsh. Very harsh.
1: <laughs> and it made it impossible to really open my heart to his love of this other person and what was happening between them, because it felt that it got in the way of any any warm-hearted connection between him and I. And I think that's where it doesn't work, is where you lose track of your commitment to each person, but especially your primary partner. You need to nurture mm-hmm. that relationship. You you treat it with kindness, and you're thoughtful, and you care about the influence of whatever else you do on that relationship.
0: hmm Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up the subject of primary partnership because that has been up for me recently um, as I've Mm -hmm. begun to do a little bit more of a poly-solo kind of um, style of open relationship. And Mm -hmm. some of the people that I meet have primary partners, and one of the questions I ask them is, do you have the veto in your relationship? And when they say yes, I say bye-bye because I don't want them to six months down the road have their partner say, oh, you guys are too close, I want you to end it um, without any negotiation or any conversation around that. So what is your experience with the whole primary partner thing and the hierarchy of relationships and how do you include other people to make them feel like they're valued? hmm
1: it's really an art form, <laughs> you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Someone, someone once said that when you when you have a polyamorous relationship, you've got a full time job, and <laughs> it does it does require um, taking time for these conversations and negotiations, and each person being willing to say to go inside and get clear about what they want and what boundaries they want. And the interesting thing about boundaries is when everyone gets clear about their boundaries and there's agreement, then everyone knows how big the playing field is. And then you can play full out in that playing field. I think boundaries actually make people safe if they're agreed upon, if they're if they're considerate of the other person. Mm -hmm. And I say it that way because I've also seen them used in a different way of a a person feeling so insecure that they have to set up all kinds of rules and guidelines and boundaries, and then it can feel imprisoning to the other person, and it's a setup for acting out. But those are boundaries that probably haven't been agreed to by everyone. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I found that when people are new to open relationship, they tend to have a lot of agreements. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's good to think of agreements as something that may be kind of training wheels and to see if you can start to lessen the specificity of the agreements and have it be more about caring about each other. Does that make sense? Mhm. I think so too.
1: So you might have an agreement when you're beginning and then go back and look at it and go, "Well, what what was our intention? What is it we're mm-hmm. wanting from an agreement like that? And can we build that into the way we are with each other?" And then there's just that thoughtfulness in how the two people relate.
0: Exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned boundaries because one of the things I remember from my first Tantra workshop I took with you was you said boundaries are hot. (laughs) And that was a novel concept for me at the time. I thought that was amazing. And I found in your workshop that that was very, very true, that we had certain boundaries where we left our clothes on. It was more energy that we were exchanging. And I remember having some of the hottest sex of my life with my clothes on. <laughs> and uh-huh. so that was really powerful to learn that through you. So thank you for that teaching.
1: <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. It's it's fascinating how boundaries allow us to, to open in ways that we might not otherwise. Because mm-hmm. if you know there's a certain field you're going to play in and maybe you have a boundary that we're not going to go to intercourse today, we're going to play energetically, we can be orgasmic, we can run energy, then you can relax in that and be full out. You can go into a very orgasmic place and know you're not going to suddenly be touched in a way that you're not ready for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank so you. I think
1: it allows for much more expansive connecting.
0: Yes, and it gives us an opportunity to learn and experiment with all the other ways of sharing energy besides fucking. (laughs) Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: Absolutely. I think there
1: are myriad ways to be orgasmic and multiply orgasmic that may or may not include touching the body and doesn't necessarily include intercourse. And when you learn that, then you're starting to activate all the chakras in relation to each other. So I, I think of tantra as a multi-chakra affair, where you're dancing through the whole energy flute, the energy core of the body, through all the chakras, and it can get pretty ecstatic. And in that mm-hmm. way, sexuality is a path to enlightenment. Can really mm-hmm. open into spirituality.
0: Absolutely. I want to talk more about that, but um, let me first ask you, how did you first get into Tantra?
1: Um, I started going to workshops on intimacy when I was married um, in early 80s and just needed something to make the relationship better. And then I got into a, a couple classes with a Tantra teacher and began giving her massage because she was pregnant. I did pregnancy massage. And I got into the the heart of it kind of by accident. She asked me to take her to the airport and she offered me a free entry to her workshop in Hawaii with um, all I had to pay was my plane ticket and a couple hundred dollars and could stay on her garden estate for three weeks. And all I heard was Olympic-sized swimming pool, hot tubs, jungle pool, (laughs) three weeks (laughs) in Hawaii. And I said yes, and then I got there and went, oh, my goddess, this is about sexuality. What am I doing here? (laughs) (laughs) So I I was so unhappy with my sexuality. I had pretty much decided I didn't need it. And I feel like trickster woman, goddesses, coyote woman, picked me up and dropped me in that workshop. And it opened me to whole ranges, whole realms of sexuality I didn't know existed.
0: Wow. And I couldn't leave. Beautiful. I was
1: five days in Hawaii with no car.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And then how did you come to start teaching uh, classes and, and courses? And you, ha- you had a whole school for a while in Tantra. How did you evolve mm-hmm. into being such a renowned teacher? <laughs> Well, once I took
1: the five days with her, I went back and did another one. And the whole group of us, about 24 people, kept studying with her. We would do support groups with each other and began to be assistants at the workshops. And I became a therapist in her workshop. And we just had an amazingly close knit community that fed us so much that we just kept coming again and again and then one day a woman from portland oregon who came to a workshop asked me to come teach there and just like i wasn't ready to start tantra i wasn't ready to teach but she thought i would do great and really wanted me to come and she would assist so i began that in 92 and then it just built from there i began to do a six-month group because I wanted people to be able to work in depth over several months. But I actually started it because my lover didn't know tantra and I wanted a group to train my lover. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Who I placed in the, in the workshop with another person. and um, And then it just feeds me so much. It's really my passion. So 12, almost 13 years ago, I created a temple in Sebastopol, a wonderful workshop space that I had for 12 years and uh, kept evolving the six-month group more fully, began doing um, day-long advanced pujas for people who've studied Tantra and just got more and more into the advanced work as I saw a need for that because a lot of people have introductory workshops, but there needs to be some place for people who really are steeped in the work to go practice. And so I do those advanced
0: pujas. Beautiful. Well, you've been a great contribution to the community in Northern California. Um, Can you talk about what... My question is, what makes intimacy sacred? Because you call it sacred intimacy. And for people that don't understand what that means can you explain that
1: i'd love to to me sacred is including the whole person body mind heart and soul and in tantra we say that each person represents a divine beloved and so you're looking into another person's eyes with a sense of allowing them to really see into you and see your soul and to see into their soul, and it's deeply satisfying. There's some deep need that gets met to be seen on that level. And as we do the breathing practices, we learn to access the kundalini, the life force, that's seen as serpentine lying in front of the base of the spine. We access it with the breath and movement, undulation, and call it up through the core of the body activating the higher centers of consciousness so we're linking sexuality and these higher centers and actually linking sexuality and spirituality with the heart in the center and so it's sacred because it's it's touching into yourself as a spiritual being We do a lot of practices of bringing in our light, filling the core of the body with the light, connecting the light to the grounding, and activating that whole sense of self from grounding up through all the chakras, up through the crown, into our multidimensional nature. And it allows you to begin to understand that you're more than just a physical body, that as you learn to run this energy, you're activating your subtle bodies, which is what people think of when they think of the aura, the subtle bodies around the the physical body, and you're coming to know yourself as an energetic being as well as a physical being, which is part of how you can be orgasmic with clothes on, because you're moving beyond just what happens with the organs in the body into what happens in the energy field as you move the life force, the kundalini, up through the chakras and into these subtle bodies and open yourself to who you are as a being. And so in that Mm -hmm. way, it's very transformative.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for explaining it that way. Very accessible, mm-hmm. so um, how do you see tantra being helpful for couples or polygroups in their relationship and intimacy among each other among the group or with each other for couples, I think Tantra helps them
1: come to know each other at a deeper level. It adds a lot of energy and can activate a lot more passion in their relationship i think Mm -hmm. couples and and poly groups as well there's a a way that we kind of fall into a groove and sex becomes what it's been and it can get a little old or a little little boring even because it's just what you've known before and Mm tantra expands the horizon for people it helps them learn more ways to connect, and ways that deepen intimacy, ways that open the body more fully. We um, often will will encourage people before they come to a lovemaking to start at an altar and say prayers and release what they need to release from the space, create sacred space, call in what they wish, and honor and bless each other, and then breathe together, and then touch the entire body, awakening the nerve endings in the whole body, before going into what we think of as the sexual areas. And what that does is it prepares the body for full body orgasm. And when two people or three or more practice these practices, it opens them, both men and women, to the possibility of being multiply orgasmic, with the whole body being involved in that orgasmic energy. And that mm-hmm. that expands consciousness. I think the other thing in tantra is we do a lot of work with communication skills, and learning how to say what you want in ways that support the connection, learning how to give feedback, how to work through things. And we just encourage a lot more vocalization than a lot of people do in their love relationships. So your partner doesn't have to guess what you want. They don't have to guess what's working. You're letting them know. And there's a feedback loop that grows so that it encourages both people to keep moving into a deeper direction together.
0: Great. Yeah, I want to talk about... Sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say with a poly group where there's... If there's a poly group where there's more than one person involved, then if you're making love with two or three people, the running energy keeps everyone in that loop. So you're not limited to just what's happening with the sexual organs, but the whole body is being awakened and activated. And I was playing with a couple the other day, and I was still closed. They were enjoying each other sexually, and I was just running energy in her body and helping draw it up the back and out the head and... And would do that with him, and just added that to their energetic flow, made it mm-hmm. hotter for them. And I was also feeling orgasmic just from being connected to what they were doing. Very sweet,
0: beautiful. Um, I want to talk, uh, dive deeper into communication um, in a, in a minute. But first, I want to go back to what you were saying about how tantra enhances. Um, couples sexual energy when their relationship is getting stale or boring um, and I want to ask you as a mature woman myself um, many of the clients I work with are mature couples and often the the woman mm. is not interested in sex anymore after menopause so um, I'm imagining that Tantra could be a great help in those situations is that true? It's a
1: wonderful help in those situations I had an experience myself. I was partnering with a woman when I went through uh, menopause. And I got more and more into my sexuality because I was running energy and doing my PC squeezes and keeping my body juicy and active. And she lost her libido entirely because she wasn't doing Tantra. And Mm. I just saw the difference.
0: oops, it appears we have lost Evelina. Um, So hopefully she'll call back in just a moment. (laughs) Um, We're speaking with Evelina Rose, who is a spiritual counselor and a Tantra teacher. And she has led Tantra workshops in Northern California for many years. Um, My very first Tantra workshop that I really enjoyed was with her. I had attended Tantra workshops before and I was unimpressed by them. I didn't think that they did much for me Um, but after attending one with evelina i really got it i really got how much ecstasy and joy and turn on can come from tantra when it's done correctly so here's evelina back again yes we lost my
1: electricity went off yeah my electricity went off
0: oh dear so are you on your cell phone now I am, but now my electricity's back
1: on if you want me to call back in that way.
0: Yeah, because this line is pretty staticky, so why don't you call back on the other line? I'll call right back. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so as I was saying, I really got Tantra when I took her workshop, and one of the things I loved was uh, the boundaries that we had so that we could really explore all the subtle energies um, and explore energy in our own body and not have to fend off somebody who's trying to touch you in a way that you don't like. Um, it was more about looking into each other's eyes and feeling that person's soul and having them see my soul. And it really created a, a degree of intimacy that I hadn't experienced before. Okay, Evelina's back on her landline again. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you these things that happen. Is interesting. <laughs> yes, they do. Okay, so we were talking we we're talking about tantra for um mature women who tend to lose their some women lose their sex drive after menopause. Some women it increases. You never know. <laughs> That's right.
1: And what I actually think tantra is the perfect solution for aging because it allows you to access a juiciness that is less and less dependent on the fluids in your body or you know what works and what doesn't work because you can build charge you can build orgasmic energy from the breath from the eye gazing from presence from running energy that then allows the bodies to do what they need to do and i think that the the lubrication that women might feel they don't have would be there if they open this way and you know, through the breath and movement and running energy. And there's always lubes of course, but I think it's that women are looking for the way their sexuality was rather than recognizing it wants to change, it's shifting. Mm-hmm. And to me, menopause is really the nature's way to take all that creative energy that was in the womb for procreation and children and bring it up to the higher centers, which is exactly what tantra does with the kundalini, is it draws it up and activates those higher centers. So this is kind of working with with what menopause is about, rather than thinking of it as cutting you off from something that's valuable.
0: I love the way you put that because I do find myself and other women that are postmenopausal being very creative in the world and really making a difference and being leaders and um so I love how you you put that that the creative energy is no longer in our womb and it's up and out into the world now. Mhm. Yeah.
1: I also uh, learned that with okay. hot flashes. That if you've got a hot flash, it's just that energy wanting to go up. So if you draw it up into your head, it will help with the hot
0: flash. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> That's a good tip. <laughs> if you're just joining, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at sumatisparks.com. We're speaking with Evelina Rose, a spiritual counselor and tantra teacher. And I want to talk a little bit more about communication, um, and I do want to hear your take on the value of communication skills and negotiation. but one of the things I wanted to mention is there's a lot of conversation going around online about this actor. Um, I can't think of his name. It's, it's, it's like an in, he's an Indian man. Have you seen this? A- Anise or something like that. his name is like Anise. Ha- have no, you seen up? Um, Okay, so this is a celebrity who behaved badly, and he didn't technically rape his date, but he was very pushy and very goal-oriented, and she was being um, a nice girl and not wanting. She didn't have her. She didn't have access to her words, and she kept giving him nonverbal cues that she wasn't into it, and he kept pushing. And so there's a lot of conversation going around like, is this rape? Is it rape culture? Or is it just her fault that she didn't speak up? Um, so there's a lot of controversy about it. So I wanted to talk about, because you mentioned earlier about using your words and how in your Tantra workshops you uh, people are have a, an opportunity to practice speaking their boundaries and um, saying what their needs are. And I just think this is so important for us to start to learn how to use our words. Um, we've been taught that we're not supposed to talk during sex. And it's right. like, you know, walking and chewing gum at the same time. I think people have never learned or they lost the ability to talk and speak while they're turned on. So can you address that a little bit?
1: I can. I think it's such an important topic because so many of us have come up through a uh culture where we learn not to say anything, or especially those who were molested or in some way sexually abused, you lose your your ability to say anything. And what that means is the other person can easily overrun your boundaries and not, not even intend to. Mm-hmm. When you get your voice back, then you can guide the process. You can let the person know what works for you and what doesn't. And I think it takes a lot for especially some women to get their voice. And I found for me, being a survivor, that I'll have my voice in some situations and I'll be able to speak up and speak out. But in an intimate sexual situation, sometimes I still just go along with something and and don't like it. But what people start discovering is you go along and you go along, you think, I'm not going to rock the boat, I'm not going to upset anyone here. But then it builds and there's a blow-up. And in the end, it's way more upsetting than if you'd spoken as you go as you go along. So I want people to learn ways to communicate what works for them and to say no in a way that doesn't have to destroy the energy between two people. It can be no with a negotiation, or no, I, I prefer not that, but this. It can be many different ways, but it allows you to show up for yourself. And I start with a basis in an intimate situation that your partner would love to please you, if they knew how. And if you assume that, then you're more willing to speak. And if they Mm -hmm. wouldn't love to please you, I'm not sure why you're in an intimate relationship with them. (laughs) Right. So so it's giving that person an opportunity by saying what you want. And you can do it in um, a positive way. I talk about speaking above the line. The line is neutral, and above the line are ways of speaking that build self-esteem, yours and the other person's. Um, Below the line, diminish self-esteem, yours and the other person's. And anything you say below the line, you can say above the line, you just take out the negatives. When you take out the negatives, it leads you to say what you want instead of what you don't want. So I think where we're concerned is, Something happens in a sexual situation, we go, oh, I don't like that. Well, that's below the line. It's going to make you both feel worse. Mm -hmm. But if you can take a breath and put it above the line, it might be, I'd really like it more softly. Or, I know you want to please me. Could we pause for a minute and let me tell you what does please me? Because then I think we'll be on the same page and that'll be delightful. Mm Mm-hmm. It's an invitation. What I just modeled is what I call a love sandwich. So you say a valuing statement, a loving statement, and then put your request or feedback in the middle of the sandwich and a valuing or loving statement at the after the request or feedback. So people feel honored and they feel that you're treating them like someone who'd love to please you, which is a nice compliment. That's
0: mm-hmm. beautiful, the love sandwich. <laughs> yep. and, and then if there's that communication and your partner is turned on and excited because they got what they wanted, uh, then... There's just so much more trust and safety there, and intimacy can build from that.
1: That's right. It builds trust. And when you're sharing with your partner what you'd like, they don't have to guess. And I think a lot of lovemaking is people trying to second-guess the other person. Well, maybe she'll like this, or maybe he'll like that. And we do what we think the person will like, but everyone's so different that that may be absolutely perfect for your last partner and not right for this one. It might be too hard or too fast. So when we guide with our request and our feedback, it allows us to find the groove that's just right in that moment. And both people get their needs met. I also talk about instead of the second slice of love, it might be reward. So you might say, I really... I really appreciate your touching my arm. Would you be willing to use the whole flat of your hand, let it travel over my arm? Oh, that's nice. Try a little lighter. Oh, oh, I like that.
0: <laughs> a little lighter.
1: Ooh, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so when people get that reward, they're ready for the next request because they know exactly. they're winning and we we all want to win. So, you give the other person a chance to really win with you.
0: Mhm, thank you. And I've been thinking lately about um an opportunity to i call it the pause the The pause is such an an awesome thing so for example, when somebody uh approaches me and wants let's say that they um they wanna stroke my hair. So if they approach me with their arms at their sides and say, "Your hair looks so luscious. Would, would you mind if I put my fingers through it?" If they if they aren't coming at me with their hands already up, then that gives right. me a chance to really decide if I want it or not. And if I say yes, there's this really sweet pause where the person knows that I'm a yes, and I mm-hmm. know that they know that that I know that they know that I know. <laughs> And so there's this really juicy moment of like we're both a yes, and it's gonna happen, and let's milk that pause for a few moments before you stroke my hair
1: <laughs> right, oh, that's beautiful, yeah, and
0: I that's say and I think we we all can play with more
1: I, I, I agree, and to allow a moment of silence here and there that we don't mm. have to fill every second. I say in pujas, ask for what you want and then wait. Give a person a chance to check in. Because if we've lost our know, it may take a little moment to give ourselves permission to say what we really want or even to know what we really want. And for kinesthetics, they have to go travel down into their body all the way down into their belly and back out before they can give you a true answer. So mm-hmm. if you're already approaching when you ask to touch, there's no chance for that checking in. And that checking in is really honoring of both people. Right, so and I think for the people have...
0: pleasers for people pleasers like myself, if somebody's coming at me with their hands already raised or they're asking me for a hug with their arms already out, It's harder for me to say no because I'm having to. I feel like I'm the bad guy because their arms are already reaching out. Whereas if they're standing in their own sovereignty with their hands at their side and asking, that gives me a chance to really say yes or no.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I I do model that if someone's coming towards you with their hands out and you don't want it, you can just meet their hands with your hands and bring them down and say I'd like to start here or even I'd like you to ask first let's just stay right here because I like to be asked before I'm touched that feels a Mm -hmm. lot more erotic
0: beautiful thank you Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so since we're talking about non-monogamy here let's I always like to ask people about the J word jealousy (laughs) Uh, How do you teach people to deal with jealousy or feeling left out? Well, it depends. I think one form of
1: jealousy is where your partner is giving others what they're not giving to you. And I think that's a communication issue between partners of, I see how you're looking in this other woman's eyes and I see how you're giving so much attention I want that same quality of attention. Can you give that to me? And that often helps to dissolve some of the jealousy when the the partner feels really treasured and honored by the other. I do think there's some people that jealousy just grabs them and takes them. And for them... It's a matter of being able to create a really gentle, loving environment where they can share it and their partner can understand that this is the jealous person's, it's it's kind of the waters they swim in. It can almost be an affliction for some people. And if they're met with love and consciousness and caring, it helps to make it less less poignant and less painful Mm -hmm. I had a friend who who did an open relationship for years with her partner and there was always jealousy and I'd say well why are you still doing it when the jealousy comes up and she said well that's my growing edge that's where I learn about myself I don't want to not try this because I want to learn from that jealousy I want to see where my insecurities are and, and what my lessons are in that. And so every time I go there, I get a little more of myself back. Mm-hmm. So I think Beautiful. it's not to be avoided, but to be treated with great kindness and respect.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes we judge ourselves for feeling jealous, like we want to be more involved. And I know when I was new to open relationship, I would try to mask it and not ask for what I needed because I was afraid to ask my partner to slow down to my pace. So I really had to learn to honor and accept where I was and let myself grow at the speed that I I needed to grow at. I I couldn't force myself to go faster than I was going. (laughs) Beautiful. I
1: always think that things need to move at the pace of the one who needs it slower. Mm-hmm. And if it moves at that pace, then both people are going to get their needs met more. But if you're trying to rush yourself ahead, you're you're probably just swallowing things that are going to erupt at some other point. So exactly. I think there's a, a loving uh, connection where a partner can say, "Okay, if you need it to slow down, I'll meet you there," and I want you want to challenge you to really look at that edge and see what your need for slowness is and what can we learn from that Mm -hmm. it's not a roadblock but a a learning edge between the two people
0: right and can we talk about the opposite of jealousy compersion
1: I love this word
0: (laughs) (laughs) compersion is
1: a word that got created in the polyamorous world that means joy in another person's joy. And it's that sense of when you're being pleasured or treasured, I feel joy because I know this is good for you. And people with compersion can allow their lover to really drop deep into joyful situations, erotic situations with another, knowing it enhances that person's relationship with themselves. And when they come home, they're more complete, they're more whole. And so that sense of compersion is, I send you with my blessings and my love, and I know that you'll bring back to me um, a juicy self, a whole whole being. Mm -hmm. I had a wonderful experience compersion with the first open relationship i had the person took me to where his wife was living and we spent a night together in their king-size bed and she was very very sleepy and she said i'm just too tired to play with the two of you but i would be so happy to have you make love in bed beside me and i may wake Mm -hmm. up and join you or just touch you and go back to sleep but you have my complete blessing. And so we did. I was kind of shy, like, oh, is this okay? Is this okay? And she'd wake up, and she'd just stroke my back or stroke him. (laughs) and She'd say, I love you guys. Oh, this is so yummy. Mm. And then she'd fall. We made love for hours with her, just joining in a little bit here and there. And it really taught me compersion, because it made her happy
0: that we were having Mm. so much fun in bed. Beautiful. And I find that when my partner sets me free to have other lovers, I love him or her even more because of that freedom. But, and this is what I'm often telling my clients, when one person is contracted and fearful and jealous, that if they can get to a place where they set their partner free, their partner's going to come back to them and be able to hold the space even more for their jealousy and their fear. So why do you think yeah. it is that we tend to get so contracted and possessive of our partner? Where does that come from? Oh, so many places.
1: I don't think we're taught to trust love in our, in our world. And we're, we're taught there's a limited supply rather than how vast our hearts are, how capable they are of loving many people. I think of the heart as a mansion, and there's many rooms in that mansion. And it's a person is capable of loving full out more than one person. But I think there's a, a tendency and a lot of society uh, reinforcement for you can't let your person love someone else because they'll leave you. And what's really true is if you love wholeheartedly and you love with compersion, there's nothing to leave. They're going to want to bring that back to you because there's so much freedom and so much openness, so much, so much room to be their whole self in that relationship. Right. I think we all deal with that enculturation, and you know, even once we've arrived at a very open-hearted place with conversion, these old things may come up. And we just have to be patient with, and there it is i I think of it kind of weeding the the culture weeds out of the garden of our psyche and to just be patient with the fact that things might get triggered, and there's another weed to pull.
0: Mhm, thank you, and I want to talk about for our last topic, I want to dive just a little bit into the subject of community and how. I believe it's so important when you're living an alternative relationship style um, to have community so that you're not trying to do this in isolation against the mainstream culture. And I'm aware that you have been trained to lead the ZEG Forum, and I love that model of community building. Um, Can you talk in general about um, how people in open relationships benefit from being in group settings and maybe a little bit about the ZEG Forum as well?
1: I'd love to. I I feel that being in community allows people support for sharing whatever comes up between them and their partners, mm-hmm. and um, just a building of a group consciousness that allows for a lot more openness in relationship. And the Zeg Forum was created in communities. It actually was beginning to, was begun to help prevent violence, but it got used by communities when they found that we can all want to live in loving community, but we can't get along, and they wanted to develop um, uh, technology that would allow conflicts or difficulties to be resolved in the community. And so it's a very beautiful thing of the community sits in a sacred circle and everyone bears silent witness while one person shares something, reveals themselves in the center. And they do it while moving because it helps them get out a story. And it's facilitated, the longer shares are facilitated to help people go deeper and deeper and deeper into whatever they're revealing. It's not meant to be therapy, though it's therapeutic. It is meant to reveal whatever's hidden in a community because it's the secrets that can cause the most problems when people aren't really saying what's going on. And so a person can get up in Zag Forum and actually talk about their lover or lovers or other people in the community in the third person without looking at them with the acknowledgement that whatever's going on is really about the person sharing it's not about the other people anyway and there's just kind of a magic that happens that when things get revealed they get resolved without having to sit down and negotiate and work things through so much is just the fact it's out in the air it's been owned and now we know so um, many communities, the Tamara community in Portugal, which I think is a phenomenal community, and the ZEG community in Germany will do the ZEG Forum every day. And it keeps issues clear between people, allows them to continue to evolve deeper and deeper ways of connecting and supporting each other in their, in their life.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm so glad that we ha that, that has come to our world here in Northern California. It's such a beautiful thing and I was excited to see that you had also trained in that.
1: Uh-huh. I love leading back forum. It's always magical.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay, well we're almost out of time and I wanna give you a chance to tell our listeners about some of the offerings that you have and uh, any gifts that you want to give to our listeners And how people can reach you So you have plenty of time So take it away
1: Okay, great um, One of my offers For people listening now Live, live Is I have A birthday puja This Saturday, the 20th of January And I'm offering It half price To anyone who'd like to come 25 per person Thirty-five per couple, and it's um, three-hour puja with a ritual for healing the planet. I'm using my birthday for planetary healing this this year. I also am offering. Where where will um, that be? It's in Tiburon, California. Okay, great. And my my website is lovejourneytantra.com dot com. If you sign up on my website, you will get a 20-minute video on erotic communication, the communication skills we were talking about earlier. And I also would offer a private session, the first one-half price, which would be 75 an hour. And I do metatherapy, which is very metaphysically-based therapy and does a lot to get all your energy in the current time and help you create the life you desire. And I do channeled readings. I channel the group of beings called the Council of Twelve. So it's like having an audience with these beautiful ascended masters and goddess archetypes collaborating on your life. And I also do energetic healing. And I teach tantra to individuals and couples. So any of those you could do a private session for $75 and I do it by Zoom worldwide or by phone or I would do um, if you want to do an hour and a half which I love doing the longer sessions four sessions would be 30% off so instead of 900 it would be 600. Great. So those are ways to Tap into the work and um, learn more about it and also work through whatever your issues are around intimacy and Tantra or the channeled readings, anything in your life. We work a lot with people's work and prosperity and relationships.
0: Beautiful. And uh, so would people be able to reach you from lovejourneytantra.com or would you prefer that they email you? They can reach me there. And also
1: my private work is evelinarose.com. And it's E-V-A-L-E-N-A, rose.com. And they can reach me on either of those. And both websites have videos and articles, a lot of resources. They're worth spending some time on just for the various resources that are there.
0: Great. Well, thank you. That's a very generous offer. I really appreciate that for our listeners. And I've just loved having you on the show, Evelina. Thank you so much for being here. I've always learned so much from you and um, just love feeling your your calm, um, heartful energy. So thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. I did want to say my, the phone number if they want to sign up for this weekend is 707-824-1117. And thank you for okay. having me. i love being on the show. It's been a delight.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. So you've been listening to Leading Edge Love Radio. And next week, our guest is Lori Ellington, who is a poly coach in Texas. So we'll see what the community is like there in Texas, since most of my guests have been on the West Coast. So I'm looking forward to speaking with Lori. And thank you all for joining us tonight, and we will talk to you next week.